Hello and welcome to another episode of One of Us Has to Be Right. He's Justin Whitwick. I'm Josh Deal, and we're going to get started with your favorite segment, Scary or Scares Me. Justin, what do you got? So, we just saw opening week of baseball start last Thursday, and we had previously recorded on Wednesday. But, I want to talk about somebody who came out of the box just raking. This is somebody, he's, he's, he's been up there, he's had a couple opening days under his belt, but Nelson Cruz is holding it down for my fantasy team right now. A couple opening days? The man is 40 years old. Well, in his... I don't even know what season this is. He started in, what, 2005, I think? Yeah, he got 14, drafted? 15 seasons, something like that. Yeah, he's averaging 471. <laughs> he, he already has three home runs. He already has... Uh, how many runs does he have? He already has five runs here at 17 at-bats. And... Eight hits, seven RBIs. Man's just tearing it up this week, yeah. and he's carrying my fantasy team. So, big shout-out to Nelson Cruz, and I'm here for it. Now, staying in baseball, we saw an injury that's kind of been covered up yeah. that is very, very sad to see just because of how young this guy is and how phenomenal he is. But um, Fernando Tatis Jr., Potentially could miss the rest of the season. He was just given an MRI, I think, this morning or yesterday, and it's showing a pretty bad labrum tear. Because initially um, there was nothing. Yeah, initially it was it was like ten games maybe. AJ uh, Preller is a disgrace, honestly, trying to cover up Sheesh. an actual injury, and you know, it's just it's and, and his. It's it's just it's sad to see just because of how young and how really really good he is, but I, I hope he I hope he's not out for the season and I hope he comes back. I, I know he was off to a little bit of a slow start, but um, he is going to most likely have a surgical injury that's gonna take him out for a while. So I'll turn it back over to you and hopefully you got a little something better to cheer us up. Yeah, and let's see what you got, Josh. No, my my scary good is um, also staying in baseball, and that's Akil Badu. I don't know if you've been mm. following this. Obviously, I'm a, Tiger, no. I'm a Tigers fan, so for me... Let's it's, hear it. So, Akil Badu was a... Um, he had to have Tommy John surgery, so he got cut, and he was in the Rule 5 draft, which is a draft that happens in the offseason. Basically, if a player's not on the 40-man roster, but they've been in the big leagues for over a certain amount of time... They are eligible for the Rule 5 draft, and teams can select said players, but they have to stay on the team's 40-man roster. So the Tigers selected Akil Badu with their pick in the Rule 5 draft. He stayed on their 40-man roster, and in his first major league pitch, home run. Which, nice. that's just cool. Um, yeah. He had a walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th the other day. He hit a grand slam three days ago, and then I think last night he had a triple. It's just like this dude coming right off the bat. He had never played above high A ball, which is about where Tim Tebow got in his time frame. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Yeah, exactly. So he just absolutely came out of the box raking. He's playing great. I believe he's playing left field for the Tigers. So just incredible stuff from him. He's been all over the MLB's page. It's the most visibility that the Tigers have gotten <laughs> since Miguel Cabrera's triple crown year. 
Um, speaking of Miguel, though, he hit a home run. He was the first first player to hit a home run in the uh, in the major leagues this year. So, no, I'm no I'm, love no love for the Tigers since Verlander left. No, exactly. Oh, and then Scherzer on top of that. So. <laughs> big, big, big fan of seeing the Tigers back and seeing the Tigers above 500 too, which is huge. But moving into an event, a uh, an event like no other, the Masters. This is what scares me: is that a lot of people have made a lot of bets on guys like Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, the big names in golf right now. Obviously, Tiger had that car accident and we're wishing him well we want to see him come back next year but the the big favorites justin thomas included in that list dustin johnson included in that list they are not performing well at all obviously we're we're recording now on thursday um yes sir we have not obviously we've seen the opening day of of play but the only player who is I think a serious contender who has won in the past or has performed well in the past is Patrick Reed. He's a two under at the moment, but other guys that, you know, people, how's Jordan Spieth doing? Jordan, how's Jordan Spieth doing? Jordan Spieth's at, at one over. He's only, yeah. he's only through 12. He was a part of that two o'clock, um, two, yeah, o- yeah. two o'clock group. But, um, I mean, guys like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, they're both at two over. Um, is there, is, there, is there a reason why everybody's eating it this this year? The conditions are a lot harder. Um, I actually okay. have a coworker who's from Augusta, Georgia, and he said that um, even though the temperatures haven't been crazy hot this year, the greens and the grass period um, is almost playing really dry. Um, even though it's been decently, we've gotten a decent amount of rain down here in the south. Um, obviously, move down to Green. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, now you're in South Carolina, so that, far away from me. Now that I now that I am a South Carolina resident, I can say that I'm in the South. But um, <laughs> McElroy at four over, Jason Day at five over, Bryson DeChambeau at five over. A lot of the guys God. who are who who are favorites to win this year, who nine nine to one, ten to one, twelve to one favorites to win, um, are are eating it. And we see guys like Justin Rose, who has been on the tour for twenty years. He's at six under right now as we as we record. So um, that's why that's why I got to do those live props, not yeah, exactly. not anything before anybody starts playing. Yeah, so definitely a uh, uh, a scary turn of events there in Augusta, seeing how the guys who we all thought would come out and absolutely rake. I mean, I guess rake's not the right word. Guys that we thought <laughs> would absolutely perform down in Augusta, um, just absolutely not performing in the slightest so um lots lots to look forward to this this upcoming weekend and and hopefully sunday we see uh you know someone new donning the green jacket yeah so we're gonna talk about something right now uh speaking of georgia and it's a bit of a hot topic issue circulating sports right now Mm. and it is that the mlb has moved Mm all-star weekend from georgia to Colorado now. Yes. I just want to say, well, I mean, one, I'm excited for the home run derby. But that's just, that's a me thing. Yeah. That but <laughs> the only good that comes out of the situation is the, am- but, the amount of thin air that balls are going to be going through come July. Yeah. It's like, it, it's just, I think it's so stupid why they moved it. You know, obviously 
For those of you who don't know, the reason was that Georgia had enacted um, stricter voter ID laws, yep. and the MLB decided that that was their, I guess, green light to move any sort of All-Star weekend out of Georgia, taking any sort of um, profits going to Atlanta out and um, now going to Colorado, which, like I, I was telling you earlier, Colorado has has um, even more serious voter ID laws than what Georgia has, and this is just signal virtuing and trying to just trying to make it seem like the MLB is really up to date on any sort of current politics and I mean I don't know I just I I don't understand the reason for moving but that's just me no it 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 remind me it reminded me a lot of um what happened back what was that it was house bill two back in North Carolina when it was something about um the transgender bathrooms or like having gender neutral bathrooms in order for yeah um trans folks to have a place to use the restroom um and because north carolina like put up a bill saying like oh uh we're not going to like mandate gender neutral bathrooms or something along those lines um they pulled like a lot of schools were like we're not going to play any of the games in north carolina like this this it reminds me a lot of that just at a different level obviously the reason why georgia did this was biden won georgia um which is a traditionally red state, but with Stacey Abrams and other grassroots activists who were encouraging the the get out to vote movement, um, they turned the state blue for the presidential election, not to mention the fact that John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock both won the Senate runoff election back in December. So this is a traditionally red state trying to limit the amount of quote-unquote voter fraud that occurs in the state, Um, which, again, you mentioned Colorado already mandates that they show a photo ID at the poll. They have much stricter voting regulations out in in Colorado, but it was a virtue-signaling move from the MLB to move from Atlanta to Denver, which I think that you can voice your unsupport for you know for the, the for the, what was the situation at play but for major league baseball to come out with such a staunch political stance when i'd say the majority of their fan base is either red or leaning red ah, that's just a tough move for you to make the issue the issue with me is that is that I don't really care what anybody thinks on on the issue. Sure. If 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 you want to talk about that, and this isn't me saying shut up and dribble, like yeah. if if you have a strong opinion on something, by all means voice it. But for an entire league to try and sh- and and show that they're leaning one way to- or another, and if they lose their revenue, that's on them. I I hope that they're cool with that. But I just I don't get I don't get why you would do that, and then. To not make the situation any better, and you're just doing this just because they're in the news right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if you moved it to a state where, you know, the voter registration, like where a, a, an ID was not needed, um, then sure. Where else is open right now, Josh? What other what, states? Where, 
Yeah, what other states are open? No idea, because this is not a, a situation that I follow so closely. But obviously, Major but, League Baseball well, does I, enough. Well, the the idea the idea is that this, in general, what it, the the trend seems to be are the states that would typically follow the the lighter voter ID laws are a lot more cracked down on the COVID reopenings. So, oh, they're not necessarily able to move from Georgia to any of the other states that would be following their current political agenda as a league. In terms so, of, okay, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and take that how you want, but I, and I'm not telling you how to think about something, but I'm just saying that if you're going to be upset that something's happening and you're going to move it to a situation that's the same, if not worse, but you're just doing it to make headlines, then... I, I, I have a serious problem with that. And that's just me, but I don't know, man. I don't know. It's not, it's not sitting right with me. Yeah, no. But moving forward, Justin, this has been something we've done for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've moved, something that's just real right with me. Yeah, we've moved all the way through the offense. We are now on to edge rushers. And so from five to one, give me your top five edge rushers in this year's draft. So... I just want to say I'm getting I'm getting super excited for this draft coming up, and I think I'm pretty sure that that we're gonna have enough time to cover all the positions and get everything squared away right before the draft. We can group them in together. We can do we can do two in a week if if need be. Also, I want you to define what an edge rusher is to you, um, just so we're clear as to moving forward. We hit, obviously we hit interior D lineman last week. So for edge rushers, what are you defining those as for the for the, the the listeners? Yeah, so for me, an edge rusher doesn't necessarily need to be somebody in you know a four three situation, hand in the dirt kind of guy. I'm I'm talking about anybody that that could be um, sent on the edge, and, and and we see this all the time. It doesn't have to be Calais Campbell lining up or JJ Watt. We see Bud Dupree coming on on rushes when Vic Beasley wasn't hurt. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he led the league in sacks for a year, and he's an outside linebacker. Von Miller is considered an edge to me, even though he's technically a left outside linebacker. Okay. Um, so with that being said, I will say that most of the players on my uh, list right now are hand-in-the-dirt guys. Okay. But there are a good amount of guys that are still following that 3-4 edge, like almost like a Josh Allen-esque on the Jaguars, who's like still a 6-5 big body. Yeah, but he's somebody that the Jaguars drop back in coverage multiple times. Even though his rookie year, he led the league in sacks, even more than Nick Bosa. I mean, led, led, led the rookies in sacks, but Nick I mean, Bosa I have just because he's on the Forty ers I oh sheesh, I have my guys. I'm, I'm salty about that. I I have my guys. Let me see. Let me see. Who you got starting off at number five. Who do you got? Number five. I have an absolute monster. Not in production. An absolute physical specimen that really showed up at the pro day, and that is Penn State's Jason Owe. Okay. Okay. He's somebody that is great as far as developmental potential. He's somebody that that has a frame where he can put on an extra 20 pounds, and he ran a 4.39, okay? Yeah. As an edge rusher. I would much rather him gain 20 pounds and run a 4.55, but that's just me. He's got... He's he's somebody that could be that that three four outside linebacker, and he's 
his speed is insane. And he's somebody that if he can learn how to take better angles and really keep his high motor going, it's definitely not as bad as a Christian Barmore high motor. But when he decides that he's going to put somebody back and push him back, especially in the run game, he's pushing you back and there's and there's nothing that you can do about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I had him a lot higher personally, but that just makes me more excited to see who you have at four. Yeah, so number four right now, I have, speaking of Georgia, Aziz Ojulari. I think that's how you say his name. He's he's somebody that uh, can really play all three downs, really good body control, really, really quick, and he does lack the ideal length for the traditional, like, 3-4 outside linebacker. He's only 6-2, I think, maybe 6-3. And it, it's giving me very Yannick Ngakwe vibes where he doesn't really have that size, but he's he's going to be solid for somebody off the ball, 4-3, maybe even a multiple front hybrid type things where uh, he's just fl- flying all around the D-line, you know? Not yeah. necessarily the D-line, but like the edges of the D-line. Sure. No, I mean, um, I know that that's something that Bilicek likes to run up in, in New England is that multiple front. So, um, I mean, potential landing spot there, but... That's someone who I, mean, I also. I think as far as as far as as far as potential landing spots, I think either the Ravens or the Titans would be a great fit for him. Yeah, maybe even the Steelers. Yeah, no, especially if the Steelers losing Bud Dupree. But I mean, I had Ojolari higher too, so now now I'm even more excited who you had at number three because that's where I had Ojolari. Number three is the Miami boy. Ooh, okay. which Miami boy? Which There's three one? of them. Not necessarily three in my top five, but I have Gregory Rousseau at my number three. He's he had he's somebody that opted out of the 2020 season, so we didn't really get to see what he could do. But in 2019, he put up 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for losses, which is really sad to see what he could have done opposite Jalen Phillips and with Quincy Roche in the middle. His his like frame and and length just absolutely jump off the tape, almost almost looking like a raw Montez sweat if if you really think about it. I mean, I I think Joe Tyron is probably more of a Montez sweat type but they they're gonna need to whoever drafts him is gonna really need to be patient with him and really work on his development but he has the upside to like really just be somebody that can fly off the edge he's somebody that that can be really taken advantage of in multiple fronts yeah personally i I had him at five but i can understand three it's just obviously the lack of tape for a defensive end is something that you want to see but um I'm all ears for two. Two is a name that I'm sure you're going to love to hear come out of my mouth right now, Josh. It is the Michigan boy, Quiddy Pay. Okay. Now I need to see who you have at one. (laughs) So he had a couple steps in the season this year that should only fuel optimism for what his potential could possibly be. His ability to collapse tackle sets with speed and power, and he's a big just big body and if if uh what's his name who did i have at five if if jason onway can get his size up to up to like quitty pays like six four two seventy two eighty then i think that that both of these guys are going to be absolute monsters and they they'll just live rent free in opposing teams backfields don't care who's trying to square up with them no i have quitty pay at one so I mean, if if my number four guy is your number one, I'm gonna be a little upset, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. I think it very well could be, and it is the other Miami University there standout, Jalen 
Phillips. He's somebody that, you know, five-star recruit coming out of high school, went to UCLA, uh, got hurt, but we really saw some flashes, then transfers down to Miami, but, you know, he had some concussion issues, wrist issues, so I'm somebody that is very big on injuries, and I think that they're very, very important, and we'll definitely see that as I talk about some of the other prospects. But really versatile. He can play on the ball, off ball. The only thing that that really uh, that really concerns me about him are like things like better pad level, maybe a little bit better hand technique, maybe a little bit more consistency. But he's he's solid. He's half man, half like centaur. But yeah, he's he's somebody that's just gonna be a really really high impact defender and. It, it, it would have been really good to see a large sample size of him, just like some of the other guys we were talking about. But here's the thing, Josh. Those guys on the edge who are able to collapse in on angles typically translate a lot better than guys that get up the field. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was listening to the draft dudes this morning, and, and Kyle Krabs, love Kyle Krabs, please come on the show. <laughs> um, but... Just, just the way that he was, he was framing it. It made so much sense. Where, if you don't have to f- worry about a guy's angle and his natural upfield ability, then you have somebody that really improved much more than you just telling him what to do. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, those young guys, especially coming out of that Ohio State tree. If you can get, if you can get one of those coached guys that know just how to attack the backfield, not just get upfield and necessarily do the whole like. Middle school. Oh, you want to force everything inside? No, you want to force that tackle back into the quarterback yeah. if you can physically do that. And Jalen Phillips is a guy that I think can really, really demonstrate that at a high level. I yeah, I agree. The only thing that I disagree with there is the order. I think those are the exact five guys that I have in my top five. It's just okay. it's just order. Um, number one for me is Quiddy Pay, and the reason why he solidified himself at one was because of his three-cone drill. I don't know if you okay. saw that. I didn't see it. This man ran a sub-6.5 three-cone. <laughs> he's also 260 that pounds. Edge. That's exactly. Dude, I think he's like, I think he's like 270, 280. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's just a freaky and athlete. And obviously, as someone who follows Michigan football, I've seen him develop as a player as well. Um but you just can't teach the skills that he already has in his skill set. Um, I have Owe at two, personally. I think that if if Quiddy Pay is the freak athlete of the draft with that that sub six five cone, I think that Owe is number two. Um, he ran a sub four four forty, which an is end. as an end is just an un, end. unreal. But like you said, put on a little weight hit the weight room a little bit harder and he could be that kind of that scary guy off the edge. His frame um, his frame will allow it, so he's just he's got to go to the right situation there. Yeah. Uh number 3 I have Ojulari just because I think he's the most polished edge rusher. I I think that he's yeah. I think he's I got he's only 6'3" 240. That's a a big question mark for him, but besides that, I think he he has the techniques that you need. Um, and then four and five, I have I have Phillips and Rousseau. Um, 
I agree. Phillips coming out of high school, five-star recruit. Obviously, that doesn't mean everything. Robert Kimdichie was the number one guy coming out of... Davis Mills was like a five-star recruit. Yeah, well, and again, like like specifically with edge rushers, Robert Kimdichie was the number one guy coming out of high school, yeah. and now we've seen him do decently with the Cardinals. But I think that all the five guys that I just listed will fall somewhere in the first round. I think there's other guys, Carlos Basham, who's going to fall into the second round. There's there's other guys who are, are Joseph Asai too. Yeah, really solid edge rushers. But I think that you know those five Joe guys, Tyron. regardless of the the spot that they land, yeah, those those five guys that we both mentioned, regardless of where they actually fall in the draft. Obviously, we are saying our own position rankings, not necessarily where they're going to fall. But, yeah, I think that those five guys will be locks in the first round. The only one I see potentially dropping out because of the fact that he didn't play in 2020 is Rousseau. He could be an early second, but I think that Phillips, uh, Owe, and uh, Quidipe, yeah. and Ojolari will all be first-round picks. Yeah, so speaking of guys going from college to the NFL, there's been a bit of a trend of some players wanting to keep their college numbers. Now, this would mean seeing seeing some crazy things like Chase Young at number two coming at you. Yeah. Davion Clowney at seven. Jalen Ramsey, I think he wore eight. Ezekiel Elliott rushing the ball at number 15. There are just a couple guys that are really in on this, and, and there is a new idea that the NFL is going to relax some of, these, some of these rules about moving to different numbers. And I, I don't know if you want me to introduce it or if you want me to give my take on it. Give your take because I will. I will give more of the solidified. Yeah, you'll outline it. You'll outline yes the situation more as to what is actually being proposed. But I I hate the idea of 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 bending numbers. I hate it. Here's why you're wrong. I I, <laughs> I hate it. NFL. Here's why you're wrong. You know I I don't necessarily know the exact reason as to why position numbers have their position. I I always thought it so that the refs knew who was eligible, who wasn't. Um, just a very easy way to classify players, and I, I really love it. I think I think that it works really great, and I, I I will say that I understand like some of these guys on the offense are touching the ball that might be this, might be a receiver, might be a running back situation. I mean, we used to see Devin Hester wear what twenty four, and and there there are a lot of guys on the other end of the ball that are now almost positionless, whether they're like nickel slot guys or yeah. their safeties corners maybe potential linebackers but if you see a linebacker at number 33 coming down you'll be a little bit confused but it's it's the idea that i i personally like position classifying but now josh i guess you can open it up and yeah. see what everybody else is now potentially able to do well here so the rule change was actually proposed by the kansas city chiefs and the reason that they did it was because of the fact that they ran into a shortage of available numbers in the range of 20 to 49. So numbers that are traditionally worn by running backs, fullbacks, tight ends, defensive backs. They have... Even some linebackers. Yeah, even some well, linebackers some in the 40s. 40s, exactly. So some... The Chiefs have 28, 33, 36, 37 all retired. Um, and yeah. so... With these new expansions that are expected to get approved, they will allow quarterbacks, punters, and kickers only to wear 1 through 19, which I think makes 100% sense. 
running backs now can wear one through 49. Oh. With the addition of 80 through 89, similar to how Ty Montgomery wore 88 for the Packers. Wow. Defensive backs will wear one through 49, and this is the one that I think you're going to hate the most. Linebackers can wear one through 59 and 90 through 99. Offensive linemen... Offensive linemen still stuck to 50 to 79. That's their current range. Defensive Michael linemen... Michael Parsons is going to come in and keep 11. It, this, Michael Parsons coming in at 11? Come on. Yeah, but defensive linemen also 50 through 79, 90 through 99. But the big thing, too, tight ends, wide receivers can also wear any number between 1 and 49, 80 to 89. Disgusting. So that could mean that you've got some rando from... Valdosta State University lining up at wide receiver wearing the number 32. It's possible. Because of that but, move... Even, but even stupid things like... like I I don't know if you saw... I, I mean, I know you saw this, but other people might not have seen it. But the whole like 49ers comment thread where yeah. George Kittle, who wore 46 in college... In college. <laughs> and he changed it to 86. And then he said that he wants 11. And then Brandon Ayuk... Was like, give me eleven million dollars. Yeah, he's, he's like, you can give me eleven million dollars. George Kittle's like, all right, we'll see. He said, what about we'll see who has more yards after the catch, and then they get eleven. And then Debo Ayuk Samuel was like, all right, fi-. well, no, I think Ayuk was like, fine, I'll take one then or whatever. And then Debo Samuel was like, I'm taking one. You guys can take two, which is like this this stupid crazy thing. Odell Beckham Jr. wants to go back to three, three. and it's it's like all these. And uh, this I, all I, started. Remind you, remind you, it all started because Reggie Bush wanted to keep the number five when he played for the Saints, and the Saints were like, absolutely not. So he wore 25. I actually have a Reggie Bush number 25 Saints jersey. Nice. Fire. Um, Nice. But I love the idea simply because of the fact that a lot of these younger guys, and I will, a lot of it has to do with me and social media. And obviously in the past, I've, I've noticed how jersey sales for me is a, a big thing. I said that the NBA All-Star game should be decided by jersey sales. Regardless... Here's why you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong, (laughs) Josh. But I think that if teams are allowed to... Or players are allowed on teams to change their jersey numbers, not only are are fans going to want to buy more jerseys because they want that Odell Beckham number three, which is probably what he will wear when he eventually gets traded to the New England Should Patriots be number two. versus first of all. Get out of here. <laughs> hey, babe. I hope you, y'all at home get that one. Hey, babe, can you go to Taco one. Bell and pick up a couple of beefy five layers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm planning said, something. Yo, Lamar Jackson, where are you going? Where are you running home to? I'm, I'm right here. I'm planning something real special. Um, also, you didn't get my Lamar Jackson joke last week. I know. Well, because I was talking over it. I didn't I didn't hear it at it's all. Okay. It's okay. No, running back should not be taken in the first round. Correct. Thank you. Um, so, no, I, I love the idea simply because a lot of these guys now have a huge social media presence. And if they are, say, like Josh Deal 3 on social media and they play wide receiver – they're going to want to keep that. Specifically at LSU, number seven is... Oh, who cares? But that's... Number seven is such a huge thing at LSU. Like, Grant Delpit wore it. Patrick Peterson wore it. Tyron Matthew wore it. And, like, keeping that number into the NFL is just, like, a, a sign. I, I agree. Who cares? I, I'm with you on that. 
but at the same time for those guys it does mean something so the, the only the only re- here's the, the only reason that i get it is because of jersey shortages if you have retired numbers sure. and, and especially I, I with that. better players coming only, in the future that they're going to retire that's, more that's, jerseys yeah but that's that's the only reason why i get it i mean otherwise it's just like imagine it's in, stupid imagine you look in a backfield and you see patrick mahomes at 15 and then you see like another like ceh wearing Five, and then you see, an, and then you see Travis Kelsey come to the backfield with seven. Like that, come on. But that's fun. I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. But the problem is, is what's going to happen in forty years when all of these teams have like thirty jerseys retired, and we're going to have to deal with, you know, triple digits, baby. Start them. Triple digits. Start them now. Yeah, I mean that's that that inevitably could be, could be the next step, but. In this moment in time, there's nothing wrong with expanding the jerseys, and I think that if we've already seen it in college, why not apply it? It's not like, it's not like it's some like sacred rule that you're breaking. We've already seen it in college. We see it'll it. It'll hurt in, my eyes. We see it in high school. It'll hurt it could, my eyes. It could hurt your eyes. It could prefer, it could hurt professional football everywhere because I wonder what's going to end up happening. I don't I don't know what the rules are like in Canada. I know that there's European football. I, I don't know what the rules Germany are. Germany like has over a pretty there. solid league. Yeah, well, there was that. Kid, note, Germany has a solid league. There was that kid who came out at wide receiver, got drafted in like the third or fourth round, and didn't end oh, up doing yeah, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. He got drafted by the Vikings. Regardless, we'll see. We'll see who actually ends up changing their number two. I mean, the thing is, you've got guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Those guys would never change their jerseys. Uh, well, they, but those guys don't have the opportunity to change it. But Jadavion Clowney can now go down to seven. But and you see Nick Bosa riding low numbers, but. Why would like you know what I mean? Like why would any of those guys who are already established? Now I'd say if you've been in the league for more than seven years and you are not changing teams, I don't see them changing. But if you've been in the league for less than seven years and you are potentially changing teams like Jadavian Clowney is, if Jadavian like Jadavian Clowney is a free agent, if he goes to a new team, I fully expect him to wear the jersey that he wants. But I don't see any of those, you know, guys who have been established for long. Like Julio Jones isn't going to go from eleven to two. You know, I don't. I don't know what he wore. Oh, I don't, dude, that'd be so disgusting. I don't know what. I, so I don't disgusting. even know what he wore in college. But I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see any of those guys who are established. Well, we also just saw players. Jalen. Jalen Hurts just changed from two to one this year. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, he's QB one. He's not QB two. Yeah, if anyone bought a Jalen Hurts number two jersey, yeah, give me give me a break. But Check, give me give me a break. And you know, this is something where like we're not going to be right or wrong, so it sucks. I feel like we almost have to. <laughs> I feel like we almost have to introduce something at the end right now, just so what I can say the phrase. Well, hey, one of us has to be right before we end this thing. But I really don't think that there's. You know what? I think we just have to end it. Right. I guess so. I yeah. I guess so. So. I guess so. For Justin Whitwick, I'm Josh Deal. One of us has to be right.